This is episode 404 of the AWS podcast, released on November 3rd, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back. And we are talking again about some of the newness in the AWS Well-Architected Framework. And to cover the latest one, I'm joined by Eric Pullen, all the way from Louisville, Kentucky. G'day, Eric. Hey, hello. How are you doing, Simon? I'm good. Now, you are the Global Performance Efficiency Pillar Lead for the AWS Well-Architected Framework. And you look after the, the creation and sharing of those best practices that deliver sustained performance. And we'll talk about sustained performance because it's really interesting. Um, but you've had over 20 years out there in the big bad IT world. Um, tell us a bit about some of the things you've worked on that have got you to here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've spent the last 20 years really just uh, uh, helping out companies both in ProServe. Uh, so I was before I came into this role, I was a proud ProServe member of AWS. And, and before that, I've led software development teams and just general IT teams for a fairly large SaaS company uh, that did a lot of uh, state and local government sales, but also a lot of uh, commercial sales. So I uh, spent a lot of time debugging and doing performance analysis, uh, really just to ensure that uh, that all systems are running well. And then helping customers is, has been really interesting as I uh, progressed into ProServe, helping them get through performance-related issues, as well as just general reliability and security and other issues as needed. So, uh, but yeah, it's been a great, uh, a great 20 years of, uh, of, of industry knowledge getting up to this point. As Andy Jassy says, there's no compression algorithm for experience, and uh, I think there's some uh, some good stories to be gleaned from that 20 years of experience there. And yeah. uh, when we talk about performance, I think it's interesting. You know, people often think about performance as a uh, as a sort of Formula One race, you know, going really fast for a short period of time. Whereas yeah. for most IT systems, it's about long termism. And uh, you know, I, I don't get to quote Shakespeare in the podcast very often, but I will in this case. <laughs> uh, if I remember my quote correctly from high school, it is. Uh, um, uh, to be thus is nothing, but to be safely thus. So we want to be in our position in a way that is safe and sustainable. And really, when you talk about performance efficiency, what are you talking about? Yeah, when we talk about performance efficiency, it's it's really you know mainly focused on the aspects past just raw performance. I mean, we we can talk about raw performance and you know how many compute cycles and you know what's the performance of your disk and and networking and all of that stuff but really you know taking a step back and looking at it in a more uh holistic way. You know, we know that especially with performance related uh concerns, you know, as you sort of squeeze the performance balloon, it, it always pops out somewhere else. So yeah, I can make disk faster, but maybe I've uh, compromised with, you know, CPU or network Working. And those are things that we want to take in, in a, and again, in that holistic view and not really just look at one particular aspect of performance. Um, you know, when we talk about performance gains in particular, we don't want customers to just constantly look at, you know, one performance metric such as networking or something and, and not take into account what their customers are seeing. And so we want performance gains that have real customer value, um, you know, providing for their customers is, is critically important. And so you know, establishing that, you know, performance efficiency uh, related to, you know, the thing that you think is really important, you need to always ask yourself, is that something important for my customers? And really achieving that in a way that's, you know, sticks around. It's not something that you're just going to do once. Obviously, you're going to continue to look at that and evaluate what your customers need, but making sure that we have those um, mechanisms in place to make sure that we're evaluating performance and, and making sure that our customers have what they need in order to keep growing our customer base. 
And I think that that real world performance is is super important. I recall again back in the deep dark days of my past career, uh, there were um, you know there's quite a tendency for certain hardware vendors, for example, in the storage space to be able to actively detect if a particular performance benchmark was being run. And the microcode right. would actually switch over to an optimized path that would give you an unbelievably good performance figure for that test. Um, yep. But it didn't necessarily translate to the real world. The real world's a lot harder than testing. That's right. And and you see a lot of these, you know, um, values that people place on things, you know, that are different uh, performance testing regimes that you can do. And, and, and I always ask, you know, when customers especially come to us and ask about specific performance related uh, numbers, you know, the first question I ask is, well, what is the workload we're talking about? Because a lot of times those numbers are meaningless, especially when you're talking about specific types of workloads. Um, you know, when when a customer comes to us and says, you know, I'm really concerned that, you know, I want to make sure that I'm I'm maximizing my IOPS or something, you know, disk related. It's like, yeah. well, what is what is the performance of this application really need? Is disk really the concern, or is there maybe another trade-off that we can have that would that would still increase your performance, but do it in a way that's maybe much cheaper? Um, mm. You know, because certain performance related aspects have a very high cost to them and so we, we always have to take that into account as well now it's obvious that you're, you're very passionate about the the whole domain of uh, performance efficiency what's the, what's the most exciting aspect to you what's the thing that really gets you engaged yeah, it's, I tell you the thing that I keep coming back to over and over is just, you know, helping customers identify where those hotspots are and asking those questions. And again, this is really where Well Architected is is highly suited for this, is asking those questions to get you down the road of, of understanding what your workload really needs. You know, having customers identify hotspots, understanding you know, where do they need to start measuring. Uh, you know, I I see this a lot, you know, I work directly with customers in ProServe, but I've also worked with them in this role. and. And I see lots of customers that that don't even know where the performance bottleneck is. And and sort of the first rule of thumb is we got to figure out where the problem is before we can start addressing it. And and you know we we don't want to just start throwing you know changes to a system or adding capacity or adding you know additional things like IOPS and and not really understanding the reason why. You know what what is the reason for these changes that would help increase our performance? Um, and then also you know taking a, even a step further back and say what is this workload really mean from, uh, you know, key performance indicators? What are the things that we know customers need to evaluate and and for their customers, what is the most important thing that they're looking for? And, you know, is, are you focused on the right things or the wrong things? And I think that's really where it gets most exciting to me is that, you know, we've had lots of customers that, that you know, you tend to get very in the weeds and focused on a very specific, you know, sort of performance bottleneck. And then you start discovering is like, well, if we focused you know, no time on that, but we focus a lot of time on this other problem over here. We could actually, you know, make our customers much happier with the the overall performance of the system. And I think that's really the key to this is is getting that overall view and not just focusing on the one little performance bottleneck that you may have at that moment. Yeah, it's it's easy to make those uh, assumptions very quickly and say, well, it's, it it must right. be the network or it must be the database. It's like, yes. well, <laughs> we don't know that yet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and you know, establishing KPIs is something that. We know lots of customers struggle with, and it's it's one of those things that where you marry the business aspect of things and you're marrying the technical aspect of things. And it's it's important that we have customers that, you know, when we talk to them, it's it's not just one or the other. We have to look at both. And, you know, as, as an IT professional, I've certainly had my times when I dive really deep in the technical aspect, but you got to sometimes take your step back and say, yeah, I could fix this performance bottleneck, but is there really any value to it? And what is the business value? And, and should we even, you know, go 
down this road if it's going to especially take a large amount of effort or, or it could cost a lot of money is is that really something that that is valuable for our customers that's always the first question you should ask yeah life is indeed full of trade-offs so you've been working with the team on on this particular pillar um, and we've been talking through this series about some of the changes of each of the different pillars what are some sure. of the, the biggest changes in your particular pillar that have been made yeah, so uh, the performance efficiency pillar this time, you know, we didn't change a ton of the questions. Uh, the questions are very similar to what they were before, but the restructure of the entire white paper was probably uh, the largest thing. It was, it didn't really, to be honest, it didn't really match with uh, the workflow in the well-architected tools. So we wanted to make sure that those two things matched really well. Um, you know, we, we did a lot of restructuring there. And then the other big thing is, is that we've taken a lot of the sort of newer, performance considerations that we see a lot of customers asking about and made sure that we highlighted that uh, in the paper. And so we have things such as, you know, new performance related solutions that are more hybrid focused. So things such as AWS outposts and local zones, we now highlight uh, those things so that we understand what hybrid cloud architecture should look like. We didn't specifically address that in the previous version, but we are now. And then as part of that, uh, hybrid networking is another piece that we, we made sure to add. We wanted to make sure that we have a uh, focus on uh, what those aspects look like from a performance engineering standpoint, because there is a big difference. Uh, you know, we have a lot of customers that you can build all in the cloud and you can build all on your on-premise, but sometimes the uh, you know integration of the two becomes a performance bottleneck. We want to make sure we highlighted where those areas can really get you and where you need to make sure that you address those as you're doing your design and implementation. And what are some of those example networking best practices? Because I think they're, it's a, as you say, it's a really uh, common and, and um, sometimes challenging use case to have that hybrid model. Um, it's easy right. to yeah. say, hard to do. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what, is, what does good look like these days? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, specifically like looking at networking, you know, that's a, that's a great place where we can look at this, where we say just evaluating, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of this in the previous white paper, but, you know, making sure that our customers evaluate where they need to put networking resources. So specifically, what size of networking do you need for hybrid networking solutions? And what does the latency look like? And then extrapolating out even from a latency perspective to say, okay, now that I know latency is, is a critical factor, is do I have the ability to lower that latency to the point to where I need it? Or is there some resources that may need to be on site for some particular, you know, latency reason? So then things like outposts come into play or or maybe a local zone if you don't want to host your own data center that, that gets you closer to where the, the data resides uh, so you can make those decisions. And, and not every customer has to deal with this. In fact, I would say a large number of customers probably don't need uh, that level of, of latency requirement. But you know, certainly some customers it is, and we wanted to make sure that we highlighted that, that it's at least a evaluation criteria as far as best practice is concerned for those customers to understand what the, the trade-offs are and where they need to, to, to look for those performance impacts. And we talked about that sort of end-to-end piece of, of customers needing to understand the end-to-end performance of their of their service or software, et cetera. But, um, you know, software is getting more and more complicated as we go along. How, yeah. how, how do customers find those, those bottlenecks? What are some tips you've got? Yeah, so it's always the the sort of you know million dollar question is like you know how do we even look for these bottlenecks? And and certainly now there are lots of of 
third party, you know, we have lots of partner solutions that help with this space, but even solutions such as, you know, even uh, X-Ray and, and CloudWatch and, and other solutions that we have that really help you identify and then, you know, crack those things over time. And and that's the other thing that I think a lot of customers we, we talk with is you can have a point in time uh, performance issue, but, you know, certainly looking at things over a period of time and, and keeping the analytics of that over a longer period of time so that you can reference those things back as to when did things change and what, what are those changes really happen. So I think that's critical as well. And and so let's look at this from, a, I guess, a different perspective as well. So I think when we talk about performance, probably most of our experiences are the system has gone into production or is about to go into production and performance is suboptimal <laughs> is the word I might use. And then there's a big yeah. panic and we all run around trying to optimize and make stuff go right. faster. But really the, the point of optimizing is actually in the design phase and there's a lot yeah. of levers you can pull. And I think it's been interesting as we, we talk about sort of, you know, DevSecOps and security and the like, we talk about the fact that that has to happen earlier on. Um, right. w- what about performance? Yeah, so when we talk about design phase, you know, it's really important that we look at uh, what are the performance characteristics that you need for this particular workload? Uh, one of the biggest areas that we that I have seen and working directly with customers that we still have, and, and this is directly related to one of the performance best practices, is designing and selecting the appropriate database that you need technology-wise to implement for this particular workload. So we have a lot of customers that you know have this sort of one-size-fits-all view of database workloads, and I think what, what we offer and, and what is certainly best for the workload could be a, a variety of different database technologies. You know, we've certainly got things such as graph databases or time series databases where that really allows customers to, to finer tune uh, those database resources for the workload performance that they need. You know, you don't want to shoehorn things in if, if it's just not appropriate for a particular database type and really evaluating those and, and giving, you know, the whole idea of that particular piece of the performance efficiency uh, best practices is is really to give you a set of guidelines to look at and say, where does this make sense? And, you know, what are the options that are available? And are these options something that we can look at to really effectively manage this particular workload against a, a set of performance characteristics? I think that choice of uh, a database type really does make a big difference, and there are there are those upfront decisions that you make that um, that have a big bearing on performance. One of the one of the things I've seen in my career is that sort of you know when when all you've got is a relational database, that's where all your data goes. And it's interesting right. how for for some applications, even just taking one or two really sort of uh, highly trafficked or hot tables out and putting them in something like DynamoDB can actually fix the problem without having to re-engineer everything. It just you know it's it's the kind of eighty twenty, isn't it? Yeah, and, and we see a lot of customers that, you know, you don't, and, and this is, again, goes back to sort of a, a different mindset around IT design was, you know, we're going to have a database solution, we're going to put everything in that database solution, and and now we're saying, look, you know, you're already breaking apart your, hopefully, you know, you're breaking apart into, uh, you know, componentry that you can then look at what database technology makes sense for each of those subcomponents, and, you know, the one size fits all just doesn't, doesn't really meet anymore, and what we're seeing 
seeing with you know the companies that are moving quickly and you know certainly implementing things uh, much faster is because they're choosing those technologies and and certainly us allowing you to choose those technologies we're not having to figure out all the intricacies and details that are needed to implement those technologies you know we we certainly take away a lot of that sort of operational uh, heavy lifting that you have to do and in doing so it really gains the operations team uh, more time to really spend on what does the application need as it relates to things like databases or, or other technologies and and what makes the most sense and then and then focus on those and not have to spend time you know learning how to deploy and and, and other various sort of operational tasks that we used to do in IT. And speaking of which, I mean, what about uh, technologies like serverless where there's a lot less complexity of, of provisioning and managing servers and you, you're just writing your code? I mean, um, yeah. certainly all my projects net these days are, are serverless unless there's a really good reason not to be. Um, but, Absolutely. But, but does it sort of shield you for some of those performance tweaks you can make or how do you, how do you tackle that problem domain? Yeah, and so, you know, here's the thing. I, I have lots of customers that bring this up because, you know, obviously serverless is hugely important to a lot of customers because it does remove a lot of that complexity and provisioning and all the other aspects of managing servers. But it doesn't always remove the complexity of, of performance. You know, you still have to do performance measurement and we still have to know how the application is reacting. And there are levers to pull even in a serverless environment, um, you know, sort of trading off memory efficiency, you know, and cost. Um, um, you know, there are times when that makes sense, you know, where you need to increase performance of a particular function. But the nice thing is because we're doing this in a function by function basis in a lot of cases, we can tweak that lever based on what that function needs and not thinking about it as a holistic view where I have to, you know, dedicate an entire server to a function in this case. So, you know, certainly in a serverless world, the, the most critical need is having good application monitoring. You know, we, uh, something that can, you know, analyze these distributed applications, aggregate that data, bring it back to a central console, something that you can see as a holistic view of what this application is doing and not just thinking about the, the little Componentry that you've built in each one, you know we have lots of partners that are in this space, and certainly, um, you know we have products like X-Ray and again CloudWatch that can help aggregate that data and, and certainly give you those insights. But you know the, it's a different world, and I think a lot of customers are still trying to you know understand the differences between watching a server and watching CPU and watching memory and and watching networking, which was sort of the you know the the old uh, major three things that we would look at for any. Uh, system that we would deploy, but certainly now you're looking at things like, you know, what is the runtime of a function? And that's a that's a different world that we're looking at than the old school of of the, of the sort of three major subcomponentries of a of a EC2 instance, let's say. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a higher fidelity view of what's going on in the application than, than you may have had in right. the past. So you, you think about this each and every day. This is this is your day job and it's also your passion, which is yep. kind of a good combination. When you think about well-architected and in particular the performance efficiency pillar, what do you want customers to take away from that? Yeah, I, the biggest thing I think customers need to know is, you know, we look at well-architected as, as not just a point in time and instead – uh, especially as it relates to performance efficiency, it's something you're going to be doing on a, on a sort of iterative basis. We always want to make sure that we're evaluating across all aspects of, of well-architected, but uh, certainly with uh, performance efficiency, we want to take those major application changes or major changes to a workload uh, and make sure that our customers are reevaluating at that time. Because 
as the workload changes or certainly even as your business changes, um, those are times when looking at wall architecture as a whole may make a lot of sense. We know that customers are going to focus on, you know, maybe one particular pillar uh, more than another at different points in time, but we think they all, all pillars uh, certainly need to be reevaluated in the fullest of time. So, you know, you may focus on cost because maybe you're in startup mode and cost is your you know, most critical aspect. But then as you've grown your user base and as a customer, you, you certainly see your customers growing, then performance may become the next bottleneck. And so you want to focus on that. And then uh, over time, maybe operations becomes a more important thing. But but certainly, you know, reevaluating those workloads, uh, doing it in the design phase, you know, a lot of customers view it as, you know, I this is something I maybe want to do after I've built an application. But we think uh, well architected during the design phase is just as critical. And then certainly, you know, post-production, it, it certainly can make a huge impact to, to reevaluate and make sure that you've checked all the boxes and that everything that from a from all across all pillars that that makes sense so and i think i think that ongoing view is really important as well because you know i think we tend to forget that you know um, that the software we write lasts for many many years and the world right. around it changes so you know even revisiting it on a, on an annual basis is is not a bad idea yeah, and we we like customers to you know feel like not only that, but we're also going to be iterating on the law architecture framework over time. And so as we find new best practices or we see changes to the landscape of of architectures, we certainly will highlight that. So again, if you view law architecture as a static thing, then then you're going to maybe miss out on some of those newer enhancements that could either raise performance or lower cost or or maybe you know gain security and and other aspects of your workload that are really uh, critical for you. Now, one of the great things about Well Architected is it's all, all documented, all out there for everyone to use. But um, I know that it comes a point where I can't read anymore. I need a more active <laughs> learning approach. <laughs> what have you got to help us with that one? Yeah, so and this has been a passion of mine recently. We've um, we uh, recently redid the entire website, but we have AWS Wall Architected Labs, and it's just wallarchitectedlabs.com, and it, it's really a great place for us to highlight what each of these best practices really means in the real world. So, you know, as you said, it's, I, you know, even me writing documentation after a while, you kind of, your eyes go cross and you go, oh my gosh, I, I can't read another page. And so having a, a more technical view of each of these things is, is really important. So, you know, we're adding new uh, labs all the time. In fact, we've probably been adding a lab, of, at least a lab a week for the last couple of months, and we're going to continue to do that. And I think uh, we've got a lot of customer interest in this and customers, because we've, we've actually published all these labs as open source on GitHub, and we've opened up uh, the issue system in GitHub so that people can respond. You know, if they have issues with their labs, or if uh, they want to, you know, add feedback, or maybe say, you know, I really wish it did this, or I wish I understood more about another aspect of that. We have a, a couple of labs that are coming up that are really based on customer feedback. So I think that's another great way for us to interact with our customers and and get that sort of real world aspect of you know how do I do certain aspects of performance engineering or uh, you know even others reliability and security as well. Yeah, it's great to have that that active learning available, which is I think a yeah. a, a totally different way to interact with the with the content. Hey, Eric, yeah. thanks so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing the latest and greatest with us. Yes, I appreciate your time, Simon. And it's always great to hear from from uh, others and customers. So if you have feedback, certainly let us know. I, we would we would take that, and we'd love to to talk with customers that have interesting performance related or even other uh, wall architecture related concerns. We, you know, we we value that feedback greatly. Indeed. In fact, uh, we love all your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place for that. 
And until next time, keep on building.